Hi, friends. Hello, should I delete that, listeners? We still have some tickets left for our live tour and we would absolutely love to see you there. On Thursday, the 23rd of May, we will be performing in the London Islington Assembly Hall. On Monday, the 27th of May, we will be in Salford. On Tuesday, the 28th of May, we'll be in Glasgow. Sunday, the 2nd of June, Birmingham. Monday, the 3rd of June, Bristol. And Tuesday, the 4th of June in Southampton. You can get your tickets at aegpresents.co.uk or via the link in the show notes or our Instagram bios. We really hope we see you there. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Bleeples isn't a thing, it's is it? It's not a thing. Is it not? I mean, oh. so people with all body parts get vasocongestion, so blood flow to the genitals when they feel turned on. So yeah. blue labia are just as much a thing. Hello and welcome back to Shall I Delete That? I'm Max Light. And I'm Em Clarkson. How Happy Monday. I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm, I'm sweaty. You're wearing pretty pink earrings from Madrid. From Madrid, yes. I did that. <laughs> oh my God, I think I told you the start, and the, the start and the finish of my Spanish knowledge comes from Pitbull. I could literally, I got there, I was Pitbull. like, <laughs> if Pitbull can say it, so can I. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm out. Um, anything good for me this week? I do have something good. Yesterday, I interviewed the cast members of Mission Impossible for the female lead and it was so cool. Can I just say, as one of your closest friends, the fact that you never tell me anything that you're doing <laughs> is absolutely bonkers. Like I saw it on your Instagram, like, I'm just in a room with Tom, Je- Tom Cruise. I was like, you're fucking not what? Tell you. No, no. You're just so like, but that uh, feels like, like a, a spy. It would feel like a brag. Yeah, it feels like a weird thing to be like, guess what I'm doing? I That's don't know. exactly what you should be doing. I was, I was like, wait, what? I'm finding out with everybody else? You're hanging out with Tom Cruise? Um, but that's really I cool. saw Tom Cruise in Passant. He's not very tall, I didn't he? interview him. He no. wasn't one of the... Women. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was only women I interviewed. Um, he's not tall. No, he's I not. I think five foot seven, as he claimed, is a push. Yes. And he had a nice little Cuban heel on as well. A classic. Mm. I think I'd quite like myself. I would like a pair of cowboy boots. Everybody's wearing cowboy boots this season. Yeah. It's what I want for myself. You know what? Yeah. I'm going to investigate this when I leave. Um, okay. I can't remember my good, which is annoying. I think there was one. Anyway, um, my current... Oh, what the fuck? Anyway, okay, my current good, my other good is that every... I Last week I was really struggling with my mental health. Um, and I was just really tired and really stressed and really overwhelmed. And then I had a really nice weekend where I just like sipped on some rosé and sat in the sun and hung out with my friends and I felt nice. way better. And then I've had another quite stressful week, but less stressful week. And then t- and I'm going to Dublin this weekend. So nice. So it's all really nice. And I'm, I'm actually stressed about all of those things, but in such a good way. Like I really feel like I'm living life at the moment. Do you know what I mean? Stressfully, but in a good way. Good. Yes, it is good. That wasn't the good, but it's a good. So yeah. we'll run with it. Yeah, really nice. Okay, love it. Good love vibes. It. Love yeah. Um, my bad, the submarine thing. I am seeing so such a horrible side of humanity. Oh my god! Yeah, me too. What the fuck? What the what fuck? The fuck? Like, why are we memeing about it? Because at the time of recording this, they're not found. They're still alive. Alleged, you know, they, they're, oh, they've still got enough oxygen to be alive. 
and but everyone's not only making very jokes. Just. Uh, my TikTok is full. Like I saw one last night that made me want to throw my phone across the room. It was a man dancing saying, "When I realise that I'm not rich, but I'm oxygen rich." And he was just, like, dancing to music. I was like, you're all sick. Like, this is so sick. It's fucking deranged. Like, it's genuinely... And I get the comparison that people are making between the boat that recently sunk in Greek waters with 500 migrants on board that got no news time. Yeah. And I get the comparison that news-wise, they are giving a disproportionate amount to vessels lost at sea. Right. That is a fair comparison, but the jokes... But the jokes. what the fuck? Like, and it's just like, oh, well, they're rich, so we can. And it's just like... At what fucking cost to you? It because it's yeah. truly, it's truly revolting. It's actually revolting. Like it, we, we are so stripped of humanity. It's been really stressing me out, and like yeah. friends sharing them as well. I'm just like, what the? I know, fuck? I know. Like the Diet Prada page shared so I many. Saw. I was like, I've always loved that account. I saw, and it was just yeah. like, what, what are we the, doing? What are we doing with people? Yes, they're rich. Yes, it was probably definitely very stupid to spend two hundred, like whatever. I mean, it's their money. I don't know, whatever. Yeah. And, you know, the rescue attempts and how much that's going to cost, whatever, that's a different thing. But, like, the fa- like those people are dying, whether they're, they might already be dead or they're dying, yeah. it doesn't matter whether they're rich or not at this point it's in time. It's literally just laughing at people dying. It is, it really is, rich. yeah. Anyway, it's so. It's fucking, no, it's great. It, it makes me very it. aware, like, having a, uh, I don't to not make it about myself, but it's, uh, it's a very, um, it's something I'm very aware of, having, mm. being in the public eye or having fa- loved ones in the family eye, you do think when the worst happens... What's like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, is How, is this is does this, this reveal like the true our true humanity? Just fucking. Vile. Is this what we are like actually, or are we? Just, is this just pack mentality, and we're like egging each other on, and we're kind of. I think social media. We just we we. It's like virtual reality. We don't think of it as real. Mm, like yeah. we're just like, ah fuck it. Which brings me on to my bad, which is the Go week on. that I have had, yeah. which has been fucking bullshit. Like if you if you haven't seen it. I went viral accidentally for knocking on the door without lifting my arm up. I made that stupid little joke about two months ago. Yeah. Hit the wrong algorithm and it has had mi- like now over a million views. I've had so much, so much trolling for it. And then Andrew Tate got arrested. That should probably be my good again. Or charged, yeah. sorry, this time. And now, and I did a video about that yesterday because I just doubled down because I've had so much abuse. I was like, I'm not just going to roll over for this. And now, I mean, I cannot tell you what my Instagram looks like. The comments I'm getting from... Men. Men. Yeah. Tate love. I mean, I'm getting a lot of support from men being like, this fucking loser does not speak for us. But so much. I've never known anything like it. Like, all these people still... So, on the one hand, I've still got comments coming on that page, like, she's a hoe, she's fatherless. I'm like, lol. (laughs) I might tag someone to to correct you on that one. Um, But, like, yeah, she's a slut. She knows what she's doing. Master manipulator, fat bitch, fat slut. Like, all this stuff. I'm like, cool, on the one side. And then on the other side, I'm getting, like, top G, Tate's a legend, like, these fucking hoes. Like, they can't be trusted with their own bodies. Like, men are the real victims here. Like, I was like, oh, my God. And it hasn't Stopped. You so, can limit your comments. Well, I just want to go back to my silly little content now. Yeah. I just want to go back to my silly little yeah. runs and like limit your con- limit your comments. No, on because that. I just there's a bit of me I want this to. I don't want. To, I don't want to silence this. I don't want to pretend it isn't happening. I want people who are scrolling through the comments to see because it is alarming, and I really need people to know. Yeah, what's but it's happening. a toss up, isn't it? And it's a balance of like protecting your peace. Nah, and, I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah. I'm. I'm at peace amongst the chaos, um, it's just crackers, like absolutely crackers that yeah. that can happen. 
So, I mean, great for my engagement. So. <laughs> there you go. There's always a silver lining. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like, absolutely, just just lunatics. Yeah. Absolute Horrible. lunatics. Yeah. But like, I was knocking on a door. Such an innocuous video. It was just ridiculous. Sh- it was literally the most boring piece of content I've ever made. But I did write for Cosmo about it yesterday, which well is done. always the biggest dream for me because I'm like the biggest Cosmo. Yes. Every Cosmo girl knows it. Um, <laughs> I'm the biggest Cosmo fan ever. So and I always Amazing. have been my whole life. So like every time I get to like, do anything with them, like write for them or yeah. do anything, I'm like, <laughs> like my inner child. Yeah, that's like, cool. Ah. So yay. Um, yeah, nice. Okay, awkward. <laughs> Awkward. Well, awkward was yesterday and doing these interviews and I reverted back to like when I first started in journalism and I hadn't done interviews before and I was in the whole thing was just incredibly awkward and I've forgotten so much Like we're so used to now doing these interviews where we interview people for an hour. Yeah. at least an hour uh, yeah. and we go in depth and it's and I had about four minutes with each cast member four minutes flies by but when I did the first one the there's a there's a time I just completely forgot about all of this there's a timer who like counts down like hand signals to you four minutes left three minutes left two minutes left one minute left then wrap it up okay I I could see her out the corner of my eye but I thought she was talking to the cameraman behind me she wasn't and so I was in in like full swing in this conversation with um two of the cast members and we were talk it was a really good conversation actually talking about like female uh, characters in in action in the action genre um and she the timer literally had to say to me can you not see me oh no <laughs> I know and I was like sorry sorry and she was like wrap up wrap up and I was like okay all right I've got to go sorry it was so it was horrible oh, it was no. horrible can you not see me I know and then can afterwards she, she came to me and said like did you not and I was like I'm, I'm a, a stand in for this like it's not what I normally do so I didn't and she was like oh my god god sorry yeah I know can you not see me <laughs> no that's I know. a can very you not see me? I'm but, not even going to say passive. That is an aggressive that's an aggressive that's an aggressive tone I actually forgot how brutal it all is and how not nicely you're treated yeah I kind of forgot I think I was so used to it at the time and now we're in such a nice environment now like we're you know we were so nice like our guests we have such a nice time and it's all so I I forgot and I was like fuck I it's actually quite a brutal environment but it's anyway can you not see me can you not see me can you not see me fuck it's it's not nice no it wasn't pleasant oh yeah yeah my awkward um my awkward is just my outfits the whole week. I'm just not thriving this week. I've not nailed it. I've not got summer clothes that fit this body. And I know you're looking at my sleeves. <laughs> Close your eyes. <laughs> Can you not see me? Um, yeah, no, I'm dressed like a bowler today. I literally I look like a pro bowler because I've got a short sleeve shirt on. And I remember last summer ripping into you for wearing a short sleeve shirt because, because you look like a postman. So I know I look like a professional bowler and I've got my hair slicked back. And this morning I literally had my bowling trainers on. But I can confirm a... she does look a bit like a bowler. I, I really do. Like, honestly, strike, spare. Um, <laughs> but then Tuesday I came into the studio as well and I leaked so I was wearing the most absorbent top in the whole world and oh, my boobs yes. just leak like crazy like I just haven't oh nailed God, and then yeah. yesterday I had a really big pitch um, meeting yeah. with a speaking event and it was like the woman oh my god she was so fucking cool Alan. it was like her really? event and it was like a women's led oh. business bitchy meeting not bitchy like catty like bitchy like bitch like b- boss bitch I hate the you know what I mean it, <laughs> I was, know just, what you mean. it was a good hustle environment <laughs> and um she was so cool and and I looked down and I just realised I was covered in baby sick. I was like, where the fuck did that even come from? <laughs> so um, I just looked like a mess and I never wish the heat away, but I am struggling a little bit not having outfits for it 
so I'm just sweaty all the You're time. You're wishing the heat away. Just I'm say not it. Wishing say this, it. No, just I'm just it. wishing. I'm wishing a better wardrobe on myself, but I'm trying to be fashion conscious, like environmentally, and not go and buy a million and forty-five em, outfits. For context, Em looks like me today. She's wearing. That's what you said. She's, she's wearing a black shirt, black jeans in what 30 degree weather it was 22 degrees when i left the house but oh i yeah i know it feels like more than that i know i agree I, the hyperbole yeah. is actually justified in this instance because when i checked i took a photo to be like god it's hot and then i checked it was yeah. 21 degrees i was oh. like what anyway and i look like georgie swallow today you do i'm wearing an oversized dress that um she inspired me with so. it is leopard print though so it is true light brand it is it is it's on brand um neither of us are particularly sexy outfits <laughs> no. but excuse me no, you look lovely but it's not sexual there's not much skin on show well, that's, that's you not that. going to stop people from sexualizing you if i've probably learned anything not. this week probably not yeah, um yeah. anyway so maybe we both are sexual. speaking of sex that's why I brought it up. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm so late. So late. Like, oh my God, there's a really good opportunity here. <laughs> what a segue. Um, <laughs> sex. <laughs> oh, you fucked it. Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me. It is time to talk about sex. A lot of sex. We have Dr. Karen Gurney, also known as the sex doctor. We learn a fuckload in this episode. And she's coming back fuckload no pun intended on both of those things anyway she's coming back we love her we love her yeah. we, we tried to answer your questions but then we had too many of our own questions so she's going to come back hard. and answer your questions she did some of your questions she it did a lot hard. of our questions no pun intended right let's let's get jiggy with it <laughs> <laughs> hi everyone we are joined today by dr karen gurney thank you so much for coming in hello thanks for having me you are a clinical psychologist and certified psychosexologist that's a mouthful isn't it and a recognized expert around all aspects of sexual well-being and function that's right very excited to have you in we have a lot of questions (laughs) we need help personal ones (laughs) and also listener questions as well great i put up a question box asking if does anyone have any questions and people do people have a lot of questions yeah but yeah thank you for joining us here today i'm excited to have you on um i think i first came across your page because i was doing a q a um on instagram and someone was asking someone was asking how often should you be having sex in long-term relationships and then uh, someone suggested buying your book mind the gap which mm-hmm. i think i shared and that's how we first connected that's right yeah um, and they swore by your books and it was really amazing and there's been a lot of uh, good testimonials about your books so i'm excited i'm really excited to read it actually called mind the gap thanks thanks we'll... it's um it's right here there right. it is conveniently placed <laughs> between us <laughs> Yeah, I, um, I I wrote the book for that reason, actually, because people have such wild ideas about what their sex life should be like and specifically what their desire should be like in long-term relationships yeah. um, that when I got approached to write a book and they said, well, do you think you're going to write it on? I knew it had to be desire and specifically desire from a kind of feminist sex science perspective in yeah. long-term relationships. So it's great to have it out there in the world. It's been out a few years now, but um, I get great feedback and yeah. that makes it so worthwhile I'm sure you know this with your book it's like having people say this really made a difference is exactly the reason you write a book yeah amazing in a nutshell how is that an answerable question that like how often is normal well it is actually um I I need to caveat it though before I give the answer because I think 
we often get caught up in frequency, right? And it's something that you hear yes. people talk about a lot, frequency as a marker of a good sex life. I think it's important to note that nowhere in sex science does frequency feature as a marker of a good sex life. So there are plenty of other things that do. Um, being able to talk about sex, for example, being able to see sex as something that requires like intentional and purposeful action to stay good over the long term, et cetera, et cetera, but not frequency. So quality, so, not quantity. Exactly. So I often say to people, if you're having sex once a year and it's the type of sex that blows your socks off and makes you feel alive, that's a better sex life than having sex every week that makes you feel miserable. So right. we'll caveat it with that. But saying that, people are often kind of drastically out when they talk about how often they should be having sex. So in my sex therapy clinic, so I see couples and individuals about sexual problems. Um, when I ask people how often they think they should be having sex, they often say things like, oh, I don't know, about three times a week. And that seems to be, I know, <laughs> audible gasp. <laughs> that seems to who's be... Who's got the time? Who's got the time? That seems to be a kind of... Uh, accepted social norm and I don't know where that's come from because it's certainly not come from sex science. What we actually know from large-scale research and we happen to have the biggest sex research in the UK that happens anywhere in the world, we have like a sex census called NatSAL that happens every 10 years, we know that we're having less sex every decade than we were the decade before really? and that in the last 10 years people were having sex on average about three times a month. Now, I say that with kind of a caveat of if that's bad sex or sex that makes you feel crap or sex that isn't pleasurable, it doesn't necessarily mean a good sex life. But it's a lot less than people are usually expecting. So much less. Is it because we sit on our phones and do watch yeah. TV series and so, Netflix and stuff? I mean, that's one of the hypotheses. And I think it's a really strong one is that we are more distracted than we've ever been before. Um, you know, we work from home, so our emails were always accessible and in the evening, we've got kind of TV on demand. We spend a lot of time on social media. Um, you know, the statistics about how many hours a day we spend on our phone. It's like, you know, it can be anything from like four to eight hours for some of us, can't it? That's all time that takes you away from noticing signals in your own body, perhaps of arousal or desire. And it's all time that takes you away from connecting with another person to nurture desire. So I think it's a it's a very strong hypothesis. Of course, we can't know for sure, right? What's what's causing I think I it? I could but... say for sure in my own relationship, it's probably the fact that I'm on my phone and working and mm. texting my buddies. Yeah, you take your phone into bed and you're just texting, yeah. and then it's just like, oh, you're halfway through something, yeah. and then the one's gone to sleep, and you're like, all right, see ya. Yeah, and it's what I, I notice in sex therapy with people as well is that it's often that there's very little time, mm, um, yeah. and people are kind of busy doing things they're busy at work they're busy at the gym they're busy with child care all kinds of all kinds of things get in the way but probably now more than ever since smartphones there's a lot to distract us and we might talk about this later if we get on to talking about orgasms and desire but attention is a really crucial part of good sex so when our right. attention is divided it generally affects things you have no attention not literally no that's really interesting and i i you probably hear this a lot as well for me it's more like at the end of the day i'm so tired i'm yes. just so tired i'm normally full as i well. can't think of anything anything mm -hmm. worse i'm just like i'm done i'm spent yeah. like i've given my day my all and i can't you know it's, yeah yeah nothing left. i've got nothing left <laughs> and being full like after a big meal yeah, like you I mentioned am full oh. at bedtime I'm just yeah. yeah full it's funny isn't it because we're kind of um 
conditioned to think about sex as something we do at night time. I mean, not entirely, but yeah. people often think, oh, maybe we'll go to bed at night time and have sex. And I often say to people, that's the worst time because not only yeah. are you tired and you've got like the stresses of the day, you're maybe also full and you're also yeah. thinking, I've got to be up in six hours and if we don't get this, get a move on. <laughs> yeah, I've yeah, got yeah. And- so the second I go to sleep, I'm like, see ya. I, <laughs> she sleeps, I sleep, that's it. <laughs> see ya. Yeah. So bedtimes yeah. generally, I think, are quite tough, but people kind of yeah. think that they should just be able to feel like it when they go to bed with their partner. Right. And it just doesn't work like that. Like yeah. desire, it's it's not like feeling hungry. You know, you get hungry at certain points of the day. Desire doesn't work like that. It needs nurturing and yeah. it isn't nurtured in those kind of environments, those kind yeah. of settings, timescales. It feels more mechanical, I guess. Like mm-hmm. get into bed and do the sex. And you're like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't do. want to do the sex. No. Um, do you know, it's really interesting you're saying that we don't know where it comes from, this idea that we need to be having X amount of sex per week. And, and something I've noticed, and please don't judge me, I watch Real Housewives. All <laughs> I of don't them. judge you at all. I love I'm them. into maths at the moment. Are you? Okay, mm-hmm. brilliant. Big time. Yeah, it's my, it's my escapism. But I've noticed that all of the housewives feel that they have to prove that they're having sex Mm-hmm. multiple times a week one is even like we do it three times a day like that's just that's just what we do and it's like a brag it's like this like yes um, like, badge of, of honor you know it feels like they have to show that they can keep their men i think this is like a really old archaic trope mm-hmm. isn't it or yeah. not even archaic because it's like it's from like the, the 90s in the magazines and it's like well if he's not getting it from you he'll get it somewhere else yeah so yeah. then it's like i swear cosmo used to run yeah. Stuff like yeah. you know how to give a blowjob, how to keep them happy, oh, how yeah. to stop them running away, fulfill their desires. Yeah. you know because otherwise they'll take them elsewhere. Yeah, and th- yeah. that kind of expectation that you need to keep someone else happy, you need to have sex to uh, for someone else's benefit and not yeah. your own, yeah. is really quite damaging for your own sex life over time. And I think um, a lot of women feel that and feel it quite strongly around a sense of pressure to feel sexual, but also pressure to not start anything if you don't feel you're going to be able to continue with it. So those kind of old schoolyard kind of tropes of like blue balls, this this idea that you shouldn't lead men on. So if you're not feeling it, you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't like passionately kiss for 10 minutes because that's going to get them turned on and you're responsible then if they're disappointed. Blue balls isn't a thing, is it? It's not a thing. Is it not? I mean... Actually, like everyone, so people with all body parts get um, like vasocongestion, so blood flow to the genitals when they feel turned on. So blue labia are just as much a thing. Really? Yeah, of course, because that's what happens when you get turned on. Blood flows to the area. But this idea that... This idea that men somehow can't handle that is really Mm. just about kind of entitlement to... Yeah, right. sex. Because I notice that all the, like even in myself, I, I'm like, I've just had a kid, but like you still apologise. You're like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm just, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm just not up to it or whatever. And it's just like, what, where? The, and I like to be like, what are you saying sorry for? You've just had it, like you know, mm-hmm. he's a normal, yeah, lovely human man. Like he's, you know, like whatever. But like, it's actually mad. Even after having a baby, I've noticed the expectation I put on myself at six weeks. I was like, because they yeah. say like six weeks. Go again. <laughs> Magically. Yeah. And it's like, I didn't even have a... Um, I ended up having an emergency cesarean. So I was like, oh, six weeks, that seems reasonable. And then it's mm. just like... No. No. And then I had to say sorry to him. And I was like, I'm really sorry. He was like, what do you mean you're really sorry? <laughs> like, what for? Yeah. for? But it's yeah. like, you just, yeah. you just say it. Because well, we're socially conditioned to, right? And, yeah. and actually, that's where I think the kind of feminist perspective on sex science is quite interesting. Because what happens when you're... Um, 
raised to be to put other people's needs before your own what mm, happens yeah. when you're raised to think men's sexuality is somehow more powerful than women's yeah. what happens when you're raised in a society where it's more important to be polite and deal with your own bodily discomfort than it is to say actually i'm not feeling this halfway mm, through yeah. and that then shows itself in women's sex lives you know like f finishing it because you've started it and even though you no longer feel like it you're going along with it anyway in a consensual yeah. but not very really satisfactory way that will impact on your desire over time really? but there are so many yeah it will deplete desire over time the more sex you have like that and there are so many women that i see in my sex therapy clinics that are having that type of sex in their sex life like with with low amounts of pleasure with high amounts of pressure and a sense of their needs come before mine and i shouldn't be impolite i'm, I'm actually really embarrassed to say that it's never even really occurred to me that you can go halfway and then stop mm -hmm. you know because of this idea i thought like boobles was a very real thing and like you can't do that to men mm -hmm. like that's not fair yeah and that is through no pressure i stress mm -hmm. from my husband yeah. he is not like that but it's social conditioning it's, it's me yeah i've it's never even crossed my mind that that could be an option yeah and I I, you're not alone go, with that yeah that's crazy and then what does that do to how we then enter into sex because if we talk about desire later we might explain this a bit more but we can expect that when we've been with someone a long amount of time like more than 18 months or a few years our desire out of the blue desire starts to drop and yeah. desire needs to be nurtured it needs to be responsive desire so it has to kind of come out of somewhere like you have to fan the flames of it so if you're not feeling it to start off with because you've got this very normal drop in spontaneous desire from being with the same partner for some time what then happens to your um, ideas of kind of trying to stimulate desire when you think that once you've started it, you're on an escalator to something that you can't get off? It basically means that it's easier to just avoid it or to just say, I'm not feeling it, than say, actually, I'm not feeling it now, but if we like do X for five minutes, let me see how I feel. Yeah. That's really hard to say if you feel like you're getting on an escalator that's only got one endpoint that's like blown my mind <laughs> but then there's like the added and we haven't even done the questions yet because i know i, just, I, I know. have so many thoughts on it but it's so just like questions. but then you realize that you don't that so many women also don't have the vocab to ask for what they want or mm -hmm. even know what they want and yes. even within relationships i think women are really scared of being perceived as like and like this must get or, or even like promiscuous yes or, yeah like which is yeah. a really weird thing because obviously again you're with this partner who you could probably be greedy with food around you could probably be mm -hmm. selfish with the tv remote you could probably be all of these like unladylike in quotation marks yeah. characteristics in other areas of your life but when it comes to sex there's still this like deep shame isn't yeah. there it's really the kind of final frontier of gender equality and i see that time and time again in sex therapy sessions it's shocking actually the gender inequality you see when women and men have sex together without it being about those two people it's not those two people kind of um intentionally doing anything it's just how the patriarchy shows itself behind closed doors mm. so the idea that it's hard for women to be sexually assertive and ask for what they want is absolutely true. And it's also true that every decade that gets easier for women. It but does. we've That's still got such a long way to go. And mm. if I think about, you know, 
the sexual scripts. So this is like predefined ideas we all have about what sex should look like. You know, you hear mm. people talk about bases. So everyone's got yeah. an idea. You kiss, then you do a bit of oral sex and someone, you know, uses their hands. Then you have penis and vagina sex. And then somebody comes, especially if it's the man, then it's over in yeah. heterosexual sex. That script, it's so rooted in culture that it's actually really hard to um, circumnavigate that if mm. you're having sex um, with a man. Mm. It's much easier for queer couples who find it really easy because there are no set scripts. Yeah. But if you're a woman having sex with a man, how do you do what you call being greedy? But really, I know what you, you, what yeah. you meant is like asking for what, what you want. You want yeah. How do you say, you know what? I'm feeling really horny. I just want you to go down on me and then I want to come and go to sleep. I, oh, like, God, imagine saying that. How do, how do, how do women do that? Because, yeah, how do women do that? And if women did that, what would be the effect on their desire? Can you answer both those questions, please? <laughs> like, how do women do it? And then what would... Be, but also, what would be the effect on their relationships, generally yeah. speaking? Yeah, okay. So, um, oh, so many questions within that question. Sorry. Right. No, it's okay, it's okay. So, there has to be some understanding within that couple that that sexual script is largely based on what works for men's anatomy and not what works for women. So we know that vaginal penetration, for example, is women's least favourite sexual act. Can you give us a... Sorry, can we interrupt all those questions with an explanation on that? Because I think that surprises so many women. Yeah. Okay. So um, obviously the clitoris is the source, the majority of the source of women's sexual pleasure. And as with all bodies, there's lots of areas of the genitals that can feel pleasurable to the touch. So vaginal penetration can be really nice. It can be sometimes nicer with a finger rather than a penis. It can be nice just at the entrance and not deep inside. Anal penetration can be nice. All of these things can be good, but the clitoris is really the kind of hot seat of women's sexual pleasure. When women masturbate, that tells us a lot about how women like their bodies to be touched. Very few women masturbate just by um, inserting something vaginally. So most women masturbate with clitoral touch, with a vibrator or the hand or suction device or whatever. So that's the, ma the majority of masturbation. Right. Lots of women masturbate with that, plus a bit of vaginal penetration to add to the experience. Less than 1% of women masturbate just by putting something inside their vagina. And yet, wow. if you think about every single teen movie, yes. like Sex in the City, all of them, the dildos under their beds are just these like long silicon yeah. like, yeah. sticks. It's yeah. like, well, yeah. Yeah, wow. absolutely. Less than 1%. Less than 1%. So women are given an idea that the source of their sexual pleasure is their vagina, and it isn't. Now, that's not yeah. to say that some women don't, enjoy in fact lots of women enjoy some vaginal penetration and 20 percent of women can come from vaginal penetration alone because of the internal stimulation of the clitoris through the vaginal wall but most women don't and if you some of the sex research that gets women and men um and i'm sorry we're talking in such binary terms that but we're talking yeah. i know the kind of your your podcast listeners and that's why i'm talking mostly about women um but yeah. if you want me to talk about trans non-binary people i can um who don't identify as women. So basically, we're looking at um, sexual acts ranked by ones most likely to give pleasure. Masturbation features highest for everyone. Mm -hmm. Most people find that the most pleasurable sexual activity. Mm. But for men, vaginal penetration comes next. And for uh, women, vaginal penetration comes last. Wow. So after masturbation, you've got touch to the clitoris with fingers. So men you've enjoy got masturbation more. Equal. Equal. Equal to vaginal penetration. Really? In that terms of reliability of bringing pleasure. It's so interesting. Mm. And and then blowjobs go below that. Yes. 
the script is so wonky. Uh, you'd have imagined yeah. the way that men talk about it, that like sex is like the best thing. Then blowjobs? Yeah, or anal, because people talk about it like it's yeah. like... Yeah, and I think Ooh, you know that, that, treat. <laughs> yeah. that over-focus on vaginal penetration is really a hangover from old ideas of sex being about procreation only, mm, yeah. um, you know, from kind of faith-based reasons. And it's also based on male anatomy rather than women. So I think you first need to have a bit of a discussion in your relationship about actually... The way I masturbate doesn't look anything like the sex that we have. Mm-hmm. And that's interesting, isn't it? Like, yeah. can we mix it up a bit? Because if we mix it up a bit, I'm going to be having more pleasure, more orgasms. Our sex is going to look more diverse. And we know that the more diverse your sex life looks, the, the more you feel like sex and the easier it is to main, main, maintain desire in your sexual relationship over time. Because predictable sex generally isn't so good for our brains. Our brains go, oh yeah, this again, not that interested, done that a million times. Whereas, yeah, when you mix it up, yeah, novelty, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) (laughs) A big red nose. (laughs) (laughs) What an image. Um, It's true though, like when people talk about, I talk about novelty quite a lot and I'm always really kind of cautious to say to people, I don't mean you have to like dress as Superman. I mean, you can if you want, but it's not novel. That's not what novelty is. Novelty is about it never looking the same. So different places, different sexual acts, different orders, you know, just focusing on one person, um, different roles, like being a different person sexually. You know, one day you might want to be super aggressive, another day you might might want it to be slow and sensual. This is all novelty. And so... In answer to your earlier question, sorry. I'm sorry it's taken me 10 minutes no, to get there. I keep lo- loading awful. another one on, yeah. <laughs> you kind of need to have an awareness together of the benefits of this for both of you. Yeah. And then practice being okay with asking it and having an awareness that it's okay to ask. And that's quite difficult. And I suppose, you know, thinking about the relationship between that and other things we're conditioned into, like body negativity it can take quite a lot of exposure content mm. to different ways of doing it or hearing people talk about it or reading books about it before you finally feel able to throw off those shackles and go, why shouldn't I ask for this? Yeah, yeah. And the effect on your sex life will be extremely positive because novelty around sex and sexual pleasure are strongly associated with maintaining desire in the long term. Wow. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Okay, I have a thousand follow-up questions. One of them, you said that 20% of women orgasm through penetration. Yes. Why, why did you say that was? Sorry. The, oh, yeah. So it's because the back... of the position of the clitoris. So the, obviously the clitoris, the, the bit that's external is just like a P-shaped structure, isn't it? And that's like yeah. the glands and the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. And then the clitoris extends um, in the body like a kind of wishbone. And that wishbone... Um, the legs, the crura, are actually 
obviously the clitoris and the penis started off the same in the womb. So the structure is exactly the same, just in a different order. So the legs of the wishbone are the same as the shaft of the penis. They're erectile right. tissue and they surround um, the vaginal opening. And okay. so you get this particular point. It was called a G-spot before. Um, and I was going to ask, is, it, is that what it it's is? It's basically... Um, a part of the vaginal wall where if you press it, there's likely to be some um, force exerted on the internal clitoris. That's fascinating. Yeah, I just always thought it was this mystical G-spot. Yeah, it's the no, size it's, of a Coke can, right? It's still, it's, um, yeah, like five to seven centimetres. Yeah. Isn't that mad? Huge. It's pretty big. Sure. I should have brought my little, I've got like a little rubber model. Have I should you? have brought it, yeah. It's like the size of like, a teething toy, to be honest. Every time I look at it, I'm like, <laughs> you know what? Mine would make a really good teething toy. It's like rubber and, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's bright pink. It's a bright yeah, teething perfect. toy. Should have brought it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> quiet. But yeah, okay, it's it's very different, um, you know, as you were saying, um, it's very different to how sex is shown on screen. And we must remember that that's how we learn, isn't it, by, from yeah. the media, because you yeah. don't see people having sex. Um, you know, you don't talk to your family, you don't see it. What you do see is representations of usually straight sex on, scene, on TV being... Um, a bit of a kiss and then very quick vaginal penetration where both people are moaning in ecstasy after right. five it's seconds. It's always in a lift as well and I just think, <laughs> yeah, fucking time. <laughs> or like the it's, kind of physical, um, yeah, the, I don't know, yeah, energy. Strength, yeah, strength, <laughs> yeah. Um, in the shower. Like, yeah. I, I wanted to ask just before we go back to listener questions, back as if we've back. even done yeah, the yeah, sorry. Before we go to listener questions. Poor listeners. Yeah, about people, about like what you've seen through research but also through the people that you speak to about what happens generally to the and again speaking really heteronormatively what happens to the men when the women do ask mm. and the women do kind of own what they want because I think a lot of us have this idea that we're going to say it to our men yeah. and they are going to run to the pub and be like what a hoe how dare she yeah. 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 Um, like even though we know our partners and we know they're not going yeah. to do that, we still have this I'm glad you asked thing. that, actually, because it can be easy to do men a disservice and feel like we're kind of bashing men here around yeah. sex. But actually, you know, men experience similar kind of pressures to women in terms of how they are sexually, but their pressures are different. So we know that women are socialised to, to look good during sex and have a lot of focus on their bodies during sex because of that, whereas men are socialised to be good at sex and to perform and quite a lot of the men that I work with say that um, they often don't really know if what they're doing is the right thing they wish their partners would be more vocal they love it if their partners ask for something specifically and it helps them enjoy sex more because in the same way that women are distracted by all kinds of thoughts during sex but let's if we go with the body image ones women are distracted by oh god what do my thighs look like for this angle I bet that's putting him off men are distracted by I don't know if she likes this or not I wish she'd tell me what she likes so that's so there's a desire pun intended um on both sides in heterosexual heterosexual sex for people to be vocal and say what they want and actually that's that benefits both both parties yeah and there's strong research that the more you can do that generally speaking the better sex is for everyone but talking about sex is hard right like I can only do it because I've been doing it for a job for a long time you're but... getting better at it <laughs> i i, I come you? from a family that's i mean we can't we can't say the word sex you know if we have to it's sex yeah and you know my mum didn't tell me what sex was she couldn't she was too you know brought up in a very strictly christian mm-hmm. household and there's a lot of shame around sex and that's been definitely like yeah 
passed down same for us. me it's a huge really? disappointment what i do oh my god i bet, <laughs> I bet. no we don't talk about it <laughs> actually i imagine it is really <laughs> oh my god but yeah. it's it, i think it's you know it's really important i suppose just to recognize how hard it is for people like it's easy for us to sit here and say isn't it like ask for oral sex if that's what you want but then we've got to factor in have you ever said those words out loud before and um do you feel comfortable? Like, have you got words for your genitals that don't feel either really porny or really like um, infantilizing? Mm, and a lot of yeah. women don't. They don't have words that feel comfortable. Yeah, because yeah. what are you going to say? Like, will you lick my vagina? That sounds disgusting. Yeah. That sounds too like... anatomical to say, will you yeah. lick my, my vulva? Yeah. Like, that sounds too anatomical. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, like, and you've got other words, but often people feel like they're kind of a bit porny. So yeah, like yeah. words like, like pussy, pussy or cunt, people yeah. are a bit like, oh. That's, yeah. So what words are people supposed to use? Like, yeah. Whereas for men, it's a lot easier. Like there are a lot of more neutral terms. Yeah, like dick is yeah. just fine. Yeah. Willy, apart from that's what so, we're sexy. <laughs> <laughs> Get your willy out. <laughs> so I think language yeah. is, is tough and having the practice doing it is really tricky. Um, there are so many reasons why talking about it is hard. Can I ask, just again, we will go now. But if somebody <laughs> is listening and they're like, okay, how do I broach the topic? Mm-hmm. How would you recommend it? Like, do you wait until you've gone to bed? Do you go out for dinner and just hope no one at a nearby table is mm-hmm. listening? Like, do you, okay. wh- how yeah. would you do it? So um, I would recommend not doing it just before sex or when sex is about to start but if sex has gone well after sex is often a good time to talk about it right um or if you're i don't know out for dinner and you feel you can't be overheard or if you've like gone for a walk or something um i actually have a bit of a script on how to do this that's a kind of free resource on my website that maybe i can send and you can put in the show notes yeah, if you want to that'd be brilliant. that's basically how to have this conversation and there yeah. are a few main points the first is you start with what's going well so right. you start with, I really enjoyed that sex. Um, it felt so good. I loved this. I loved that. And then you go on to what you'd like more of. Yeah. So okay. um, I'd really love it if we did X a bit more or that was so good. Can we do that more as time okay. goes on? Whatever it might be. And then you end with the impact that that will have potentially. So I really feel if we did more of that, say say it was a quickie and you really enjoyed it because it was quick and now you've got your sleep, right? <laughs> you might say... <laughs> I'd really like it if we had more quickies because actually I think I'd be more up for it. Whereas I'm often okay. worried about getting sleep because I think I've got to invest a long period of time. But actually, okay. I'd love to do that more. What about you? So there's a kind of a structure that Positive generally works. reinforcement. Yeah. Like, it. like yeah. what's going well? How do you want things to be different? And what would be the impact if they were? Yeah, that's brilliant. And we'll definitely, if that's okay, we'll yeah, put that in the show notes as well. That'd be really, sure. I think that'll be really, really helpful for people. Okay, so... 40 minutes in, I think we're going to actually, uh, it's 40 minutes. Oh my God, please come back. I will, I will. Yeah, will you come back? There's Um, so much to say, isn't there? I know, I know. Okay, so another huge question, a big theme was, what about when there's a mismatch in libido? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there seemed to be a lot of questions that really, it felt like they, and it tended to be from women, and they were carrying shame that they their male partner had a lower libido mm-hmm. than them. Yes. And, you know, we're, like you said before, we're used to thinking that men... That's right. ...are these feral animals right. who are just constantly desperate for sex and it can okay. feel like, yeah. Okay. Hard for both parties, I guess, when that's different. Yeah. And this is the most common reason people seek sex therapy. So that's important to say is that most okay. people that come and see people like me, it's because of mismatches in desire. So right. um, super common. 
It's so common to have a different interest in sex as your partner that sex science says it should be considered the norm. So the starting point is you are going to have different ideas about when and how much sex you want to be having because how can you not if you think about it? Like it'd be almost impossible, wouldn't it? It's like having this wanting to eat the same food as someone else all the time. Um, I want to eat the same food as you all the time. Fuck that. The starting point here has to be understanding first how desire works. So there isn't such a thing as a high and low sex drive. There are people who think about sex more because they're perhaps more tuned into it and people that don't for other reasons. But essentially, desire is context specific. So it emerges at times when we cultivate it and it goes away at times when other things get in the way, like stress, tiredness, um, relationship conflict, whatever it might be. The crucial thing is that in a long-term relationship, we know we're going to see a drop in spontaneous desire. So people listening need to know that's normal. And it's just as normal for men as it is for women. So Mm -hmm. we know about one in five men say that they feel concerned that they don't have any interest in sex with their partner. So it's about 15% of men, so it's a bit more than one in five, I guess. Is it? maths um and it's about th- i'm just trying to work that out maths is not my strong point <laughs> sex is my strong point not maths um 34 of women feel concerned that they right. don't have any interest in sex at all when you say 15 percent of men feel that they don't have sex interest in sex with their partner yeah would they have interest in sex with somebody else no so this is a fascinating fact um problems with desire only show themselves in long-term relationships so if you get yourself a new partner you're going to see a sudden increase in spontaneous desire and then the longer you're with that person that's then going to drop off and that's the reason why people it's usually women who have this particular belief they see me and they say it must be me because it's happened in every relationship I've been in. And I'm like, it's not you, it's being in a long-term relationship. It's normal. So that drop-off in desire and that desire discrepancy is normal. That's the first thing. So people have to learn about how desire works. And that's why I wrote the book. There's a lot to say, but um, if they want, you know, there's loads of free stuff on my Insta. If they, I've done a TED talk on it and stuff if they want to know more about it. Um, But essentially... You have to understand the function that sex serves in that relationship. So when people say it's a problem because my partner wants sex more than me, which is a really common thing for people to say, what is it that their partner is wanting to get from that sex? So we often think about sex as being like a physical act that meets physical needs. Sometimes it can be, but it's much more common to be for a need for sex to be driven by something that isn't physical. So a psychological need, like feeling desired, Mm. feeling connected, stress relief, having fun, having adventure, or a relational need, like cementing the relationship, coming back together again, sharing something. I never think about it like that. Mm. So one of the exercises that I like to do with people is to get them and their partner to understand what are the key reasons, motivations that they usually have to be sexual. And it's okay if horniness is one of them. But let's be honest, horniness can be met by a wank for everyone, right? So it's usually something more than that that people feel they're missing when there's a desire discrepancy. Mm. And having that conversation changes everything because if I think about couples I've worked with where... um, you know, one person has felt 
concerned about the lack of sex and they've been able to share with their partner that actually I just don't feel seen by you I don't feel desired by you and I've said to them well when did you feel most like that when are those moments and they've said oh you know she grabs me before work and she pushes me up against the fridge and kisses me goodbye and it's five seconds but in that five seconds I feel really desired by her that is what they're after it's not sex specifically it's feel it's being seen in a sexual light and and going back to what you're saying earlier is the thing is the idea maybe the thing that stops a lot of women doing it is this we don't want to leave them on exactly they're on the way to work so we don't want to start and that's a real safe time to do it right which is often quite interesting running out the door yeah (laughs) because then nothing can come of it and what i say to couples is you are going to want different amounts of sex but let's not worry about that because what you need to be able to do is communicate why what it is that you're wanting if it's the case that you are able to say to each other oh I really feel like sex tonight but I think it's because I just really miss connecting with you and can we go to bed for half an hour and see what happens and even if we don't have sex I know I'm going to feel more connected just by doing that that's a real no pressure way to fan so nice (laughs) whenever we've talked about sex it's always like I don't know it just feels like quite like either depressing or anatomical but it's really nice it's just like oh well this is it's just good it's just like oh we we can just chat this out like yeah I don't know it's nice I feel like it's really scary for so many women to have to open mm. up these conversations but the solutions all seem lovely yeah the the solutions are and and I'm stressing to say this actually the solutions are easy Mm. it feels really hard but it's actually not the problem is in how we view sex as a society not in your relationship or your self and a lot of women particularly but also a lot of men as we've talked about just now are walking around thinking there's a problem with them because they could take or leave sex because they haven't wanted sex for months and months and months because they're not that interested and and there is no problem with them and it's relatively easily fixed and it doesn't indicate that there's necessarily a problem with the relationship either that it's like a terminal because i think i've had those questions before where it's been like if i don't want to have sex with my partner does that mean that we're over and that that is a common worry and i think my only caveat to that is that physical attraction is pretty important Mm -hmm. and quite often that can wane even if we don't want it to can it wane forever does it wax and wane it can wax and wane for people but i think there are people that know deep down that they've lost that physical attraction for their partner and Mm. that's really hard actually if you still love someone but sexual interest sexual attraction can wax and wane much more and people can go through phases of feeling a bit like brother and sister or sister and sister it's two women they can go through phases of that and they just need a bit of like turning up the sexuality dial and turning down the flatmates dial if that makes sense because what happens is the longer we're with someone the more the the ways we relate to them the the sexual way gets diluted by co-parent by friend by sometimes like co-working partners if you're working from home from flatmates and the sexual side of the relationship just kind of like dwindles away and it becomes really hard to relate to each other sexually so if you can turn that up, usually you can turn up sexual attraction again. Well, that's nice. Yeah, that's really interesting. And that's good to know because I think a lot of people a lot of people as well feel like when that it's you called it spontaneous desire. Yes. When that initial attraction that is just like you can't keep your hands yes. off of each other at the start of the relationship, that when that sort of 
peters out that it's because of you it's yeah. oh they're just not attracted to me anymore that's exactly they, what people think yeah, yeah yeah or it's because I, of them and there's a problem with their desire yeah. um there's a reason why spontaneous desire is really high at the start of a relationship and it's because they've still got quite a lot of mystery around them you've not learned yeah. all their bad habits <laughs> yeah. and generally in life we find things we've not got quite alluring and attractive yeah. we find things that we've got and they're very secure to us less alluring and attractive so that's later right. down the line and we also spend lots of time doing what i call sexual currency so there's a sexual charge between you at the beginning which is like palpable right people could see it you can yeah. spot a, a new couple yeah. right out in a bar can't you because yeah. the eye contact the flirting the passionate yeah. kissing for kissing sake the sex texts the um you know all of that yeah. it's really high at the start and then it tends to drop off and so that sexual currency is something that if anyone's listening and is thinking, I want to make a change in my sex life, where's the place to start? It's to turn up sexual currency without any okay. pressure for it to go anywhere. Right. So passionate kissing for kissing's sake, yeah. flirting, bum grabs, um, you know, whatever it might be. Yeah. That's that's the way to do it. Amazing. Okay, that's so interesting. It might have to be a bit more of a quick fire. Now. <laughs> oh, no, I'm no good at quick fire. <laughs> um, do you need <laughs> quick fire? And then I'm asking you an incredibly deep question. <laughs> do you need to have sex to have a healthy relationship? No. Plenty of oh. people have a good relationship without sex. Okay. It's important, and particularly, it's important to say that there's plenty of asexual people that are quite content without sex with another person. I would say that sexual satisfaction and relationship satisfaction are highly correlated in research. Yeah. So there's there's definitely people who can have good relationships without sex, but we know that for most people, once sexual satisfaction declines, it means that relationship satisfaction can also decline. So um, it's not a one size fits all, okay. but for most people, sexual satisfaction is actually quite important. Okay. That was a nice quick, that was a quick answer. Ah, great. <laughs> um, a single woman I asked, which I thought was important to answer, as a single woman, is it emotionally and physically detrimental to go without sex completely? No, not at no. all. And better to go without sex than to have sex that's not good for you. And yeah. um, the orgasm gap is at its highest when women have casual sex. So women, the orgasm right. gap goes from like 65% in regular relationship, um, committed relationship or regular partner to about 8% for women with casual sex. Wow. So women's chances of getting pleasure from casual sex really drop off wow. of course they may be having sex for other reasons great as long as you're getting that that's good but yeah, yeah better to have no sex than have sex that doesn't meet your needs yeah eight percent yeah it's really low that's i mean depressing. to be that's honest it's so it's hard to replicate so there's different stats around that ballpark of different studies but it's low it's really low yeah. and men stays super high 95 percent wow in all contexts is there something to be said for a lot of, I think, the, and I don't know if it's a trope because I just don't know anything about women. I don't know if it's just about sex. I don't know if it is a trope or if mm -hmm. there's truth to it. Do women need to have an emotional connection with a man in a stronger way than men have to have with a woman? No. Again, heteronormatively. Yeah, I'm glad you asked that though. No, they don't. Um, it is a kind of, that, a bit of a, uh, a an idea out there that people need different things and it yeah. it's really not the case. What needs to happen is that when sex happens, it needs to happen in a way that um, fits women's anatomy. And what generally happens with casual sex is that that sexual script 
is more closely um, upheld. Right. So, so it's hard to have casual sex, for example, that doesn't end up in penis and vagina penetration. Right. And it's more difficult for women to feel relaxed receiving oral sex, for example, from a stranger than it is. Right. So women are getting less stimulation. So when you talk about sex uh, three times a month or three mm-hmm. times a week or whatever, you know, like when you talk about sex in that context, you are not talking about penis and vagina sex. You are talking about any yes, sexual that's right. contact. Yeah. I think that's a really important that distinction. That is important. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't use the word foreplay, although I've just used it now. <laughs> I don't <laughs> use it because it's just a word that marks all other types of sex in a hierarchy as less yeah, than. Yeah. So all sex is sex. Because um, this, yeah, that's such a good point. I've had this conversation a lot whenever I've done Q and A's on Instagram with particularly people talking about vaginismus, mm-hmm. um, which I think if we've got a sec to touch on would be quite useful. Because I think, how, do you know what the stats are on vaginismus? About eight point five percent of women in the UK experience so pain. That's sex. a lot likely to have that than you are to get an orgasm from a one night stand. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really common. So that's the dryness of a vagina, if I'm not mistaken. Vaginismus is um, where the pelvic floor muscles kind of contract and make penetration painful Mm. or difficult or impossible. And um, there are other types of pain conditions as well that can affect women in terms of having sex. Um, There are quite a lot of them. But vaginismus is really common and it's... Um, it's really common for younger women. Mm. So the majority of women that I see um, with vaginismus are in their 20s. Um, And it's because there are, it's all of the kind of social conditioning um, and the kind of not being able to assert yourself comes into it. Um, It's a very real physical condition, um, which is connected with what's happening in our minds because the pelvic floor muscles are really... um, they're really quick muscles to tense up when we're feeling stressed. So um, it's a very kind of real interplay between the mind and body. Yeah. I think that's going to be helpful to validate people who have sex that doesn't look like penetrative, just, penetra- just yeah. penetration all the time, to know that like other people are having different yeah. kinds of sex. Yeah. And the conversations I often have with women vaginismus also is about, let's look at the stats generally for what type of sex women like you don't. You almost don't even need to talk to a new partner about vaginismus if you don't want to. You can just say, "Look, I could take or leave penis and vagina penetration. Can we not do that?" Yeah. Like you, you can do that. You don't even yeah. have to say, "Oh, I've got these worries about pain. I've had this problem before." I mean, you, you, you can say that, and you're welcome to say that. But I think that it's almost a message for all women, which is that you don't need to have the sex that society expects from you mm-hmm. if you just want. Uh, external touch to the clitoris only and no penetration at all in every mm. sexual experience you have that's fine yeah it's nice to give women permission, that's really yeah <laughs> very empowering yeah there were lots of questions about dryness okay one woman asked i've never i've never ever had a physical response from being turned on even when i am even when I am the most turned on, it never correlates with me being wet and i've always it's always made me feel really abnormal. Great. I'm glad you asked this one as well, because there is a myth that if you're turned on, you should be wet. And we know there is a low correlation between arousal and wetness. So vaginal lubrication is to do with all kinds of things like how hydrated you are, um, where you are in your cycle. Even things like antihistamines will dry out um, vaginal lubrication. So there isn't a correlation. So you can be really turned on and feel quite dry or you can be not turned on at all and feel a little bit more wet. So it's important to normalise that because a lot of people worry about it. 
And it's really problematic if partners interpret wetness as a sign of something because right. it often isn't. Um, my take on this is that everyone should use lube all of the time. No right. exceptions. Right. Lube makes everything better for everyone. And you can't really rely on your body kind of naturally producing the exact amount of lubrication that you're going to need to make sexual touch comfortable. It just okay. doesn't work like that. Right. So it's not abnormal to have not no... Not at all. Yeah, okay. Uh, an easy... Um, not an easy one. Quick one. I I wee after sex to prevent UTIs, but how much grace do I have? Do I have two minutes, five minutes or zero minutes? Because I'd like hugs first. <laughs> <laughs> so this might be a one for a medical doctor. Gyne Geek will have your answers here. Um, <laughs> the latest I've read on this is that there is no evidence to support the weeing after sex theory. You're joking. I know, I know, I know. Um, but cut your eyes through the thing. <laughs> I spent so long sat on the toilet trying to make so, myself weak. This is yeah. this is the this is the it's latest the I've model. seen. <laughs> so don't take me for red on that. Get a medical expert, okay, yeah. uh, who's kind of an expert in gynecology, okay. to give you that um, answer. But it's it's something, as far as I understand it, that there isn't any research for. But I must say, if people think it works for them keep doing it yeah not everything yeah. is shown in research okay we have to do the final question now yeah have to yes, choose yes. one final yes. one but please me promise to come back while we I have promise. you on there okay thank god <laughs> i'll bring my little rubber clitoris oh, that good. We talked yeah, about. i'll bring the baby <laughs> right we're gonna finish off with how do i reinitiate sex with a partner when we both feel bad about our bodies mm -hmm. okay so concerns about how how our bodies look or taste or smell when we're naked is the number one distractor from sexual experiences, right. particularly for women, but for plenty of men as well. Um, so this is really common. Yeah. And it's very rare for people to have sex where they don't have thoughts at some point about, oh, what does my body look like? Or mm. what, does, what do I taste like? Or those types of questions. Um, so just to normalize that. It's the kind of thing where it's something you kind of don't work on in sex because that's almost not the time to work on it. So yeah. I usually advise people to engage with as much kind of um, body positivity or kind of social commentary on rejecting idealized versions of what their bodies should look like. Yeah. And if it's specific to genitals, for example, which is for a lot of women particularly, I'll say to them, like flood your Instagram feed with things like the Vulva Gallery, which are obviously kind of an Instagram account that's devoted to diversity and how vulvas look, different types of labia and different colors of skin, different amounts of hair, etc. Um, these are the types of things that we need to do to try and reject some of that kind of unlearn, I suppose, um, counteract some of that social learning. Um, reading books like yours would be a way forward. Um, it's work that you kind of need to do on yourself outside of sex. When you're in sex then, having done some of that work, the most important thing that you can do is practice retraining your attention on something other than your body. So um, for people who are into mindfulness, and mindfulness is great for sex, and maybe next time we'll talk more about why, if you're used to redirecting your attention because you uh, do it in other areas of life, maybe you redirect it to your breathing or maybe you use mindfulness apps, you can use mindfulness in sex by noticing your mind has wandered to a negative body thought 
and bringing your mind back to some sensation that you have in front of you. So it can either be focused on you. So what does that touch feel like and paying attention to that? Or it could be focused on your partner. So it might be a particular part of their body or looking into their eyes or touching their hair or something that you can pay attention to instead and just let that thought go. So it's a bit like instead of jumping on the thought and spending loads of time obsessing over it, you let it happen, but redirect your attention to something else which is more sen- sexual. Yeah, I really like that answer. That's something like that's very practical and actionable mm. and yeah, clever. Really like yeah. that. Yeah, Good. thank you. It's a good place to finish then. Um, it, it is. Um, when are you coming back? Um, <laughs> tomorrow. tomorrow yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you so much. That is so much incredible information. Thanks for having me. It's I've been great. so much. But yeah, you have to come back, please. Part two. I will. Incoming. I will. Thank, thank you so much. We're going to leave your um, a link to your book, Mind the Gap, in the show notes and also the free resource um, that you have on how to talk to your partner around sex and yeah and and your Instagram and your Instagram handle and yeah thank you so much for joining us thank Thank you you. Shudder Delete That is part of the ACAST Creator Network Even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.